So Cass, I thought, I mean, you know I've spoken to Steve Kellen already, or SK Kellen. SK. Uh, SK, about, um, sorry, there's some water, um, about how poets want to be painters and painters want to be yeah. poets. Well, that's my, my feeling is that what I've noticed. And they don't mean, they're not even conscious of it, they just sort of, I don't think, you, you're not thinking I want to be a painter, no. but the limits of poetry sort of go, what I'm trying to put in my poems, I could do with a picture and vice versa. I'm sure it's yeah. true of music as well. You know? Well, I think that's true. And then you've got ekphrastic poetry. So then you've got the idea that you can somehow speak for the artwork or the, you know, the painting or the mm. exhibition or whatever. And I think there's a trap with that because if you just try and describe it as a poet, it falls so flat because you'd be like, well, why don't you just go and look at the painting? Like, yeah. what's the point of reading a yeah. poem that describes the painting? But if you get it right, you know, ekphrastic poetry can sort of have this magic what's the painting or what's the artwork telling you and what can you kind of make out of it. So that's kind of exciting. I don't know if I, I think I want to be a painter with words, but I failed art so many times. And <laughs> I just, that kind of was just drummed out of me that I could ever do that. And I, I failed for the stupidest reasons. They told me that um, my colors didn't harmonize because I liked, you know, pink and red. And you're kind of weird with colors as well. That's one of the reasons I think I connect with you because we have associations with colors and we think things go together that other people don't think go well, together. Well, you wear my favorite colors every day, pink and yellow. <laughs> pink and yellow. Um, most people would say they don't go. So. Well, I remember talking to Peter Harrell. I was talking about pink and he said, oh, pink's just for fun. Like he oh, sort of felt that. <laughs> it's outrageous. <laughs> well, it is for fun. You know? It is for well, fun. That's why marshmallows are pink, you know. That's or Neenish tarts, you know. Oh, Neenish. <laughs> we could go the Neenish tart. But there is even with visual poetry, you know, there's a sense of attempt to try and, mm. like the structure of it. Like, you know, with your prose poems, yep. and I've seen that the fashion, well, not the fashion, it's become conventional to justify left and right to create that block. So it doesn't yeah. look like verse or delineated poems. As yeah, I've yeah. But... <laughs> but but um, but I have seen some prose poems recently set justified just on the left. Just on the left with the and ragged it, right. And yeah. it does look a little bit confusing. So there is that. It is. There is a visual side of poetry, not a painterly one, but it's some. It is painterly though. They start to 100%. play with words upside down and want to print things in color and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it connects to um, I guess concrete poems are really visual because they turn in. They can either be so lame or they can turn on something really fantastic, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, wow, that's clever. Yeah, like. I mean, our favourite, well, I can think I can speak, you know, of course, Carol's Mouse's Tail. You know, yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. But again, like, I, I think um, not quite the same. You're still caught in the world of words. There's no getting yeah. away from that. I mean, there are people like, you know, Henri Chapin, you know, who did all those typewriter yeah, things yeah. and stuff. But, um, but keeping that in mind, like the idea of wanting to be a painter or a poet or something, but I think there's times when things match up no matter what medium. And one is something that's always interesting is... And I mean, I'm just, I suppose I'm asking you, but I'm just asking myself, well, is, is size, is... You're not going to ask me size, it does size matter, are you? Is scale or size um, expressive in itself? Like, is it, a, is it a, is, is it just a, is it a, is it just a, an element, like it's something you can put into it, like something's going to be bigger, but in its own right, is it expressive? And I sort of think, well, like, I look at the pyramids, if they're only two foot tall, yeah. well, the Stonehenge wasn't so big. Yeah. And when you sort of, and when you look at it from that architectural point of view, you sort of go, yeah, it makes sense. Things have to be big because yeah. it's impressive. But when you get to something like poetry, genuine, you know, generally yeah. they're short. They are, yeah. And so like songs Unless it's the epic, short. which is yeah. just goes on and yeah. on and on. Yeah. Which but is sort of getting into a, like, like Odyssey or something. You're yeah, getting into yeah. something weird. Well, not weird. It's so far removed from... What we are generally used to seeing as yeah. a poem. Yeah, like Dante. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like how much of it is... It might follow a, a form, but it must... It must exit that occasionally because it can't contain itself. It's yeah. too much, you know, yeah, yeah. to um, to be. Yeah. 
the type of poetry, I suppose, we're thinking, well, I don't know what we're thinking of, but what I sort of see as a poem, to sustain it for so long, it must there must be high points and lows. Yeah, yeah. More, more often. Yeah, the trajectory, um, yeah. But so in songs, you get, um, you know... Um, the chorus and the... Yeah, yeah, but, and they're short as well. Like, you know, a long song, like it's a lot of stamina to sort of get through I don't know, there's American Pie. Yeah, no, but, but, it's, yeah, but it's not that long. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not, it's not the. It's not the length of like Dante's. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's not hours long. Um, so there's something about that short form mm. which you're genuinely drawn to. Yeah, yeah. You like microfiction and prose poems. It's hardly a short story, but it's sort of no floating somewhere on the edge of circling things, around it. Yeah, I think people yeah. talk about the way that it doesn't. It shouldn't have a kind of narrative trajectory, but it should circle around issues and use kind of metaphors and yeah. and sort of be more circuitous than the kind of narrative that goes beginning, middle, end. Yeah. But there's, with your poems, I've noticed, because we've been doing a lot of stuff together for yeah, yeah. a few years now. Well, Long more time. than five years, because my daughter's now five and a half. Yeah, yeah. Before that, yeah. <laughs> yes, that. But I find with your writing, it's talking about harmony you were saying before about you failed art because of your lack <laughs> of harmonious colours. But you, your prose poems sort of, I'm gesticulating here. Yeah, I'm saying you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they do sort of operate like chords in a way. Like you try and resonate an idea, a thought, or yeah. memories trigger other ideas. You know, so it's it's like um, you could almost, if, if you were one of those people who could see all the words at once, you could almost read in one flash. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. that's why flash fiction is called flash. Oh, fiction. is that why it's called? <laughs> I didn't know. I thought it was flash, but it was fast. I well, I think it's a combination. But I also think one of the things that I think is really important about all those short forms is that you visually digest it in one big gulp. So, sorry, that's, that's me. Right. I'm a popular mm. person. You are a popular person. <laughs> Instagram's just more lights all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think visually you kind of see it first on the page before you start reading it. So you're like, oh, there's a big block or brick of prose poetry. And the thing I like about it is that it's almost camouflaged. Like I know a lot of people who won't read poetry hate poetry. Yeah. They come across a prose poem, they don't realize it's a prose poem because it looks like a paragraph. So mm. they're like, oh, I can deal with it. This is prose. I read paragraphs all the time in the newspaper, you know, fiction, whatever. And then when they get into it, they realize, well, hang on, it's a bit more intense. It's kind of using many more metaphors. It's got lots of gaps and spaces in it. So it's not as kind of um, fast to read in a way because you're trying to fill in all the gaps as you mm. go. Um, but on the other hand, it is quite fast because it doesn't have all this white space that a lot of the lineated poetry has. Yeah. So at the end of the line, you kind of stop and breathe before you go to the next yeah. one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I kind of like the fact that you, you consume it in a, almost a flash, like flash fiction, but in sort of one go, and then you sort of get into it and do it sentence by sentence. Well, there is, I think, I mean, I've said it before, but there is something uncomfortable about um, someone saying they're going to read you a poem because unless you visually see how long it is you don't really know where it's going to get to you know um, yeah and so so there is something you know when you look at a poem that's that and not and this isn't compared to painting lots and that but when you to visually see a poem on the page you go oh i'll have a crack at that you know you, you, yeah that's you know, in my comfort zone yeah. yeah so um um so I imagine longer poems of you know probably become less fashionable than they were probably in the 19th century you know yeah um but um, but I guess what I'm sort of like, yeah, there's that size, like you're saying, yeah. you can look at your prose poem, it's in a paragraph, it's in a, in a it's, 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 the prose poem's presented in a manner that's very familiar to people, like columns in a newspaper, yep. or it's that sort of yep. block, yep. and say, so I can read that. But even then, when you get into it, the way that you structure it is, they are quite, they're very um, central in, in regards to smells and tastes, yeah. like and food, yeah, yeah. and sights, and it might move from, you know, um, 
like not, I'm just making this up, but you might talk about you might start talking about custard and you know semolina custard to, <laughs> and somehow that triggers a thought of Pokemon's because it's yellow. You know, yeah, it moves, it's a moves in a high and yeah. low brow kind. Of, well, not, I don't like those terms, but no, popular but culture, culture to, to, yeah. to more. I suppose what we've seen is more academic, yeah, classic, yeah, classics classic and stuff. Yeah. And 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 I think if um, and they do work in a fashion that sort of dribbles down from top to bottom. Yeah. You know, but I don't feel that often the the passage of time is even accurately like that. It's more like a flash moment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's how you I like, see it. Because I think a lot of, not all, but I think a lot of prose poetry is very much kind of in the moment. So yeah. it's it's in the present second. Not It doesn't so much comment on what's happened or take a narrative, this this has happened. It's sort of a part of it is always sort of happening now yeah. um, at the moment that the person picks it up and starts to read it. But I think... Um, I remember actually um, Paul Hetherington said to me once, and it's something I've never forgotten about the prose poem, and he's not even a person who watches Doctor Who, but he said, it's like the TARDIS, like it's bigger on the inside. And I think that's actually a really clever description of it because it looks, like you're saying, it looks small, it doesn't, you know, it hasn't got a kind of grandiosity about it, but at the same time, you get in there and you're like, whoa, this is much bigger and I've got to... I'm really connecting with this because, as you're saying, the connections are all coming out. You're seeing things as you're going through it. You're like, oh, there's the yellow custard. And now I can see now there's all these other yellow things in there. And then the yellow's morphed into silver because, you know, that's like gold and silver and that sort of idea. Well, well, well there's that part where, the, you know, the reader's going to bring something to them as well. Yeah. So it might trigger a memory that's not in the poem. I love course, that. That's know. my favourite thing. So poets who just get all like, this is what my poem means, I hate that. I'm like, once you publish it and it's out there can be yeah, anything yeah. that person reads wants it to be. I mean, yeah, it's got to have... You've got to be able to justify it and say, I think this poem's about this for this reason. Otherwise, you could say every poem was about, I don't know, the beach. And you're like, well, it's not really. There's nothing there that's about the beach. But um, but they should be able to fill those, like I was saying, the little gaps and spaces that, that poems have. You should be able to fill them with your own responses and your own... Um, word associations, and then you kind of play a part in the in the poem in a way, and in its enjoyment, really. I, I, I have one memories correctly, but just when you were saying that, yeah, um, I remember um, speaking with Meredith McKinney, or yeah, yeah, it was Meredith McKinney. Whether it was talking to her, or we were on a panel for something once, you know, talking about publishing or whatever, or books or whatever, poetry, I don't know, some literature stuff. And, um, Literature stuff. stuff. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I can't remember exactly what know, it was about. There was a group of us, like, I'm not a translator, and she was there talking yeah, about translation. Yeah, she's stuff. amazing. Yeah. And um, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was her, maybe she remember, she was talking about how in, in Japanese literature, um, it was when when stories were being read, and yep. often when they'd read them aloud, the, the reader would just depart from the story and ad lib. They just. That's pretty cool. They just say, they just add stuff. And yep. this was not seen as a taboo. It was yeah, just kind of thing. like, yeah, just you sort of just wander off, you know. And um, and you can imagine that that's how it would have been for a lot of spoken word things, like fairy tales and folk tales, like just sort of, or, or you think of jazz, you just sort of, you're just adding stuff. It's got improvisation, mm. yeah, yeah. And I think that um, because of um, the way we're taught the arts in a way, yeah. <laughs> not having a go at you who's, te- you know, you're an hey, academic. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah but, but, no, no, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I'm not sort of, it, it, you can forget that a large part of this is just for pure enjoyment, if nothing yeah. else, to just lift you out of everyday stuff. Yeah. So when people read poems, I think sometimes they struggle with sort of... A friend of mine was reading Proust and, and I was reading Ulysses around the same time. This is years ago. And he was sort of saying... And his book was filled with little tabs. And I said, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, he had all these... Yeah. And he said, oh, there's bits that I sort of feel like, like you know, sort of didn't quite understand. I said, I, I think 
you're not going to get it in one go. It's like learning chess. That's you're it. not going to get it all. You're not going to become a grandmaster in one go. I said, just read it. And I said, just treat it like a speedboat. Just, just keep going. Just keep skimming across. Yeah. Like don't like by all means delve in. But if you start delving into anything here, you're not going to finish it. No. You're just you're not going to get it all. But but if it brings up whatever thoughts you like, it'd be like my daughter who looks at the paintings I do and she doesn't like them, but her interpretation of them, she like. Yeah, she goes. Well, what, like I said, to what's this painting of? And she said, Oh, you climb up here. She just saw it as a jungle gym. Yeah. So I think there's a part of poetry, and I read. I'm not. I don't get too caught on what. I don't know what the. No. I don't know if the poet's really sure what they're trying to do half the time. Well, some yeah. of them will tell you they would. I, yeah, yeah, I don't. You know I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I think um, it's we've sort of lost in some ways the playfulness I guess when we teach poetry and that often happens and I can say this because I was a secondary school teacher but you often get a lot of oh I did poetry at school and I hated it and that breaks my heart because you think well poetry is just so exciting and wonderful if if it's presented the right way and I think that goes along with what you're saying that people are like oh poetry is too hard I don't understand it and one of the things I say to my students is, you know, one line of poetry should sort of take you as long to understand as a paragraph of prose. But we don't want you to sit there, you know, on this one line trying to work out what it means. Just read the whole poem, but read it multiple times and it will start to make sense. Or maybe it's 10th reading, you'll see something, you'll be like, oh, but if you keep, yeah, every word and every line, if you want some kind of meaning that you think is a kind of correct meaning out of it, which I think testing and exams often do that. Like students think there's there's an answer to this poem there's yeah. one one interpretation and i've got to get it right instead of just saying you can not like something you can yeah. you can not understand something and still keep going and read it and get something out of it and then if you don't want to go back because it didn't do anything for you sure move on read something else but if you're still kind of thinking about it which is what i love about good poetry you just think about it long after you finish reading it then you go back and read it again and then yeah. it starts coming together and it's like a wonderful kind of puzzle sometimes. Yeah, you just carry it with you. Yeah. And I think that's where, going back to my original thing about scale. Yeah. And the writers that I like, who you know anyway, but like Joyce's Ulysses, I don't really see it as a novel as much yeah. as just a giant poem. It's... Or Hamlet or Leah. Yeah. Or Hamlet, I suppose, and Leah, but like King Leah, but I don't really think of it as a play. Yeah. And Well, it's poetry anyway. Yeah, I just see yeah. it as giant poems. And, and maybe that people say, well, that's foolish or... But no. That's my... But, when I think of like um, Ulysses, like the opening, yeah, you know, with um, um, Dave Dallas bringing up the, you know, and there's um, um, Buck Mulligan, who's sort yeah. of getting ready to shave, and there's this sort of spiritual thing about the, sun, you know, it's sort of, it's like it's got a silver bowl. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of word yeah. associations and fragments, and it's got that whole. Appeal. And if you just read that by itself, well, does it really matter that you? What, no. Bloom's not even present. At this That's point. It. Does it really matter that it's in iron? What's what's the significance? Yeah. of or something, there's a bit where they dance on the beach watching a dog run around chasing shadows. Yeah. You know, or, um, you know, or the citizen, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and, that's and it. chases really, yeah. out. Yeah. But there's lots of things you think, do, you know, what what point does it matter to the structure of the whole book if you just read these bits in the, like, or any soliloquy yeah. by Hamlet? Does it, do you need to know the rest of the book to, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so anyway, what I'm saying is that's been my approach for reading for a long time is dive in and out. So yeah. therefore, when I get a story that's so, a novel so so driven by plot, I kind of go, what am I reading? Because I, I have to say, start at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, because you can't just dip in and out. But that's funny because that's always been, since I've known you, your approach to fiction, you're always like, oh, I just don't have the time for this. They're just, they're just trying to make me go from the first page to the last page and it's too long and I've lost it and I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, well, there's, there's writers that I can read that um, 
and they work in these short yeah. bits and you find a bit in there and go, I can read this independently of the rest of the book. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's got, um, I don't want to say ideas, but it's got the passages of like paths that yep. can go, they can come to its own conclusion early, you know, they, and, they, and they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't depart from the overall structure, like, but they, this, they just, they just resonate. They yeah, just, they but you're obsessive themselves. like me. You mm. like parts of things that mm. resonate, and you read them over and over, mm. and love them, and luxuriate in the words, kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that's what I think the authors that you're attracted to have that capacity to pull these amazing parts of them out and to get so much more out of them but to get a lot out of them just in those little fragments rather than it having to be framed by everything becomes yeah. before it or after it what does like to like what you're saying with a build on that there are paintings out there that like your prose poems like Della Francesco's flagellation of Christ I don't yeah know I know that, that. Yeah. yeah and so there's Jesus being whipped in the background. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's the, the title of the work. It's is like, sort of, hang on, where is Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, it. But there's these three kind of, I don't know, ambassador kind of wealthy. I don't know who they like are. Separate but they're, whether they're politics. Like, and, yeah. and talking about carrying stuff with you, are these the sort of, um, like in today's world with what's going on yeah. with Trump, are these, there's the, there's democracy being whipped in the background. Wow. You know, you know, and there's these shakers and movers in the front. Right they've the got, front. They're not even witnessing this event, but they're making got decisions. Their back to it. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. They've got their back to it. And they're sort of, they're the deal breakers and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And yeah, I'm not, I'm, I mean, not to say that's how I read it, but you can sort of look at pictures and people can get caught by, oh, I don't like the subject, but the subject is bigger than, you know, it's like. It's not just, yeah. it's not in that moment that it was created. It's, yeah. oh, good, good. Any kind of art that's good is transcendent. It means something to people over time that they couldn't possibly have known when they were writing it or painting it. It's just got themes and it can be interpreted in ways yeah. that it's just ever relevant. But there's that Bruegel one as well. Yeah, like, that's um, the Where Christ one. is carrying across and there's all these, and it's right in the middle of the picture, but it's so yeah. distant. And there's all these other things on like birds and people yeah. running around. And there's also, but one that's more at the front, like Bruegel's The Blind Following the Blind. And I suppose I'm choosing Bruegel because I feel that they have this poetic edge to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one of The Blind from the Blind, I think there's, you know, um, eye specialists or surgeons have since then looked at the paintings because Bruegel's so observant. They've identified various kinds of blindness because he actually went and looked yeah, at the Yeah, yeah, wow. But, um, but in that picture, there's this, um, you know, it's... it's it's okay it's a bunch of figures but there's still a decision to choose that topic yeah and there's no no there's no like there's no jesus inside it's just a parable <laughs> from the bible picked up yeah. and christian or not you know it, it's a it's a if you're going to follow someone foolish yeah you know, yeah yeah you know then then you're in trouble but and and he just literally paints these blind people find blind as they fall into a hole um and it, it, it's there's a um there's sort of a, what's the, the, the scale of that painting mm -hmm. is in its subject, not in its yeah. size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess this is where I was originally asking the question. When I think of um, the old man, the sea, which is seen as yeah. a novella, yeah. but it's epic in scale. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. Or Jonah, yeah. and the Bible's like a page in the, you know, it's set as a page, yeah. but it's the same size of Moby Dick in its, it. in its scope. Yeah. And I feel that scale in a poem isn't length, it's got to be... It's got to be bigger than that. And that's what I'm guessing so, I'm asking you. Yeah, like there's, yeah. Like there's a really, there's a little Goya picture, and I think it's painted on, I think it might be painted on a piece of ivory. Mm -hmm. And it's a, Goya did it late in his life, and it's an old man on a swing. Okay. 
but he's got this big smile. <laughs> so it's kind of like being a child Again, now, like, yeah, just like a Taoist point, like yeah. this Taoism, like I've I've shed my responsibilities now. Yeah. I can just live my life, and it's just on a, it's going to be tiny, you know. It's just on a little yeah. bit of ivory, so it's not some massive painting. Yeah, so but I, it says so much. Like yeah. it's weighty, it's huge in itself. Yeah. Yeah. But symphonies by their own structure are long. That's Novels, right. you know, you know, in the traditional, like in a word count sense, are long. You yeah, know, trilogies have to be long. But I think it's a misunderstanding of scale in the abstract of what a poem or a picture might actually be in our minds. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Like, yeah, 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 absolutely. I think the interesting thing with symphonies and things like that, though, it's a little bit like you're talking about with Ulysses or a range of kind of, you know, literature that have these amazing parts in them. I remember someone saying to me that they were sad that um, when CDs came out because they used to love to listen to records and it was much harder to rewind a record. <laughs> and the, he said to me the idea was that, you know, there'll be this crushingly beautiful bit somewhere in this piece of music. And it, part of the reason why it's so crushingly beautiful is because you have to kind of wait all this time yeah. to get to it. And he was sort of saying CDs, you know, people are rewinding it and listening to this bit over and over in five seconds. Um, and it sort of ruined that kind of build up. But... I think that's the difference in prose poetry and in short forms. It sort of doesn't have a build up. It's sort of once you're in there, it grows. You know, yeah. you don't. You're not waiting for something. You're actually. It's it's growing as as you're reading it. The scale of it is yeah much yeah. bigger than its look on the page. It's funny you mention that because when I was just going on the back of the conversation I had with Steve, which is I don't know last year sometimes. So yeah. But in that I mentioned um, Charlie and the Chocolate, Uli Wonka, the movie. Yeah, the yeah. Musical. And, I, and the same thing when you said that, there's a... It, it, anyway, it's going to give the impression I'm a mad fan <laughs> Maybe it's because I grew up with... And, um, but there's a song there, is it called Cheer Up Charlie or whatever? Yeah, but yeah. There's a bit in that song that it's, it's only, it only appears once in the yeah. music and it's just a really pretty bit of music. Yeah, yeah. And it and it's goes just... And what's the line? It's like... It has this elevated drop. It goes up and down. It goes... I'd have to play it to yeah, you. Yeah. I can't remember, but um, but it's the same thing. I, I listen to that song just hear that bit. But if you listen to it in isolation, it doesn't, it doesn't have doesn't, the same. You've got to yeah. go through the st- and then there's just this little bit that's and, 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 it. and it doesn't come again. <laughs> that's right. So you've got to go back to get it again. You've got to go back to get yeah. it again. And I think that um, you know the resolve of poems. Um, and there's one that I particularly like, Yeats' is politics, you know, yeah. that girl standing there, you know, if I could have her in my arms again, yeah. to hold her in my arms again. The resolve in poems, the way they conclude, and Hank Williams does it very well in his lyrics, I think, you know. Um, mm. But I think the longer story, the novel, it sort of, it doesn't resolve in the same way, you know, it no. has to, it's a very different thing in, in that longer form. And I think um, one of the things I learnt about writing prose poetry, and I think there's more pressure on the prose poem to do this, I think everything has to have a great ending, you know, mm. on some level, whatever great is, that's yeah, yeah, subjective, that makes, yeah. but it has to have something. But with prose poetry, it really needs to kind of open out at the end. Like an ellipsis or Yeah, yeah it yeah. does. It, it can't sort of shut itself down because yeah. then it just becomes a little brick that's quite sort of heavy and over. It mm. sort of needs to, yeah, sort of become a catapult itself, mm. you know, um, into space and sort of... Yeah. So going back to yeah, Ulysses, yeah. I think the end of Ulysses is a beautiful ellipsis. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Whereas, and that's why it's poetic yeah. more than sort of prosaic. Yeah, whereas, say, The Merchant of Venice, I yeah. think it's a beautiful ellipsis if you end at the end of Act 4. Well, yeah, and forget some of five, that, you know, that, that, yeah. that sense of like shutting where, it down, yeah, like yeah. Shylock gets taken, and it's all—it's really bad. But it's like, my goodness, where to from here? That's what, right. What happens? So I've got to tie then, everything yeah, off. But it gets all tied up. Yeah, yeah. It's—it's—it's—it's a waste for me. Not, yeah, because yeah, you, you can't criticize yeah. Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you'd only had you there to yeah. you know tell him to stop after <laughs> the but, fourth act. But I think also, um, 
Peter Cook, who you know, is a, yeah, I'm a big fan. He could never finish yeah. a joke properly. There's a few he wrote that have a clear punchline, <laughs> but generally they don't. They don't finish yeah. well because he's just riffing all the time. Yeah. It's just it's so funny throughout. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. So he has to try and somehow stop, and it yeah. sort of feels never as funny as what was going on. Yeah. It's not, it's not that. Com- it's, it's not, not about drawing it to the end. Yeah, yeah and, it's and, about and what's happening. so many comics are about you know this punchline. Punch punch yeah, line. it's not. It's just his choice of words throughout. You know, like his flips and turns. He just turns things upside down. And, and yeah, and I feel that um, um, yeah, that, that the there may be something in that with the shorter form. I think that's true because you know when you most comedians you're waiting for the punchline, right? So it's a bit like the music thing that we were talking about in a way. Um, a different way of looking at it, but you sort of the majority of a poem is generally not hugely funny until it gets to that kind of end bit, and then the end sort of interprets what's come before, and that's really funny. But I prefer like the more kind of Peter Cook model, where it's it's great as you go along. It's funny when you go, and you're kind of sad when it finishes because yeah, it doesn't yeah. finish as you expect, and it doesn't draw things to a close. It just kind of it's just well, kind just, of lunacy in yeah, a good way. You yeah, know, yeah. You know, it's just it, yeah, it just sort of it, it feels. Disappoint. In a way, it feels disappointing because everything was going along. So There's well, no reason to end like, the conversation. Yeah, That's the problem. Yeah. Like you just keep going. Like That's what, what I mean. Yeah. But yeah. 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 So, but, but um. But again, with the short form, you, like with yours, you have to end it. Other, we don't have to. But, well, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sort of do. Practically, well, yeah. To, yeah. But if you took, say, you know, like your book leftovers and strung them all together in an order that yeah. makes sense, it could just be one giant. You could. Book, yeah. Sort of like like Molly Bloom's soliloquy could that's just right. be this long just mirandering kind of thought of events yeah. you know it's just and that's what it some is people do life. that yeah yeah but that's what that's what the last chapter's like it's just, it is a whole a whole lot of things that are brought together that you can yeah 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 um so I think that um just trying to trying to connect those things when I think about pictures like there's certain painters that um I guess there's a quality to sort of serious art, whatever that means. Whatever that is. Yeah, but it gets, it can become quite didactic. Yeah. Moralizing, you know, like it's not gentle. It doesn't tread gently. Like, how do you, how do we look at certain painters today? Like, you sort of yeah. look at these, you know, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to, like, how do we, how do we, how do we look at Michelangelo's day? How do we, yeah. look, or, or if you took something that's not strictly art. It's on like putting that category. How do we look at sort of the Lincoln Memorial? Yeah, wow. <laughs> you know? or, yeah, or the yeah. Statue of Liberty. Like yeah. it's so loaded with meaning that it you is. can't get past it. And there's and I think that there's some work that when it when it doesn't tread carefully, it starts to believe in its own ideas so much that it starts to grow in a bigger fashion. Does, does yeah. that make sense? Like it yeah, just needs to expand because it's so important. Yeah, know? but I think and I think historical context is part of that. In fact, sometimes I think, you know, we forget with art and with poetry, but that it came out of a certain time where mm. there were different expectations and different ways of living. And we sort of try and hold it to the standards of today. So, um, you know, not that I'm endorsing having, you know, statues of, um, of people who we reflect on have done quite heinous things, but at the same time, we have to look at it historically and deal with it rather than sort of looking at it from a yeah, perspective yeah. today. Um, and that's sometimes what we lose when we take things out of where they came from. Yeah, funny, like, on that, 
I mean, just yeah. like tearing the statues down. Yeah. My, my feeling is I'm all for it. Yeah. But not because of political reasons. <laughs> you just think they're bad. I just think they're boring. <laughs> they're See, boring, if, yeah. I, if, I, if I had it my way, I think all sculptures, public sculptures, should be just big abstract things or big silly <laughs> things like Oldenburg shuttlecocks or Jeff Koons kind of. <laughs> Flowery dog or something because they're just harmless. Amusing. They don't mean anything. You yeah, know? yeah. As Whereas well, yeah. I don't really want to see another statue of Queen no. Victoria. You know, no. I just don't see like the idea of having statues of John Howard or <laughs> Scott Morrison or Paul Keating, like them or not. I just don't want to see it. Like another Churchill no. statue. Yeah. But that's. But again, that's because they're they're so loaded by identity rather than just. That's right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But um. But anyway, the reason I brought that was um. There's a playfulness that I find in prose poems. Yeah. Like there's a there's an ordinariness to them. Not a boringness. No, no, there's, there is a huge appeal to the quotidian and the everyday. And part of it, some my prose poems don't have that much dialogue, but a lot of mm. prose poems do. And, and they try and capture that kind of, you know, cadence of the everyday conversation, you know, <laughs> rather than anything else. And then some of them turn from there into being a bit kind of surreal, you mm. know, so they'll kind of have this ordinary I mean that's what some of the really famous prose poets did like you know Charles Simic and Russell Edson they'd have a you know with, like here we'd be sitting in a cafe yeah. and then you know an alien would tap on the window and yeah. it would just be treated as an entirely normal event and yeah. you'd maybe ask him if he wanted a flat white or an yeah. espresso and we'd have a conversation um, I want to have that conversation yeah I, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's the thing like it's sort of um, because it looks such it looks on the page like an ordinary form you can do extraordinary things and keep that kind of ordinariness about yeah, it yeah because like to, to quote Paul yeah Benton, like the oh, idea of being to? a TARDIS you know that um, because of its infinite space you, you don't have to match things up so that's right yeah yeah plot. Um, and I think it was Marlowe who said that he felt that the sonnet was a room of infinite space. Yeah, well, I think the sonnets are really, like, it's another form of poetry that's very yeah. short that you have to pay more attention to, in a way, yeah. its words, because it, it's over before it's, yeah, you know, but it's it so a, short. But it's structures yeah, restricts so, it somewhat to, yeah. to a skill. Because the prose poem just sheds all that and says, look... And, and, it does. And to even clarify like whether it's a poem or not i think it's moved beyond that like who, who yeah do, i mean not that it's not a poem but like yeah. whether it rhyme or not that it's about rhyming but how what it means does it do this or do that it seems to be very very open-ended it is there's so many debates about sort of what a prose poem is i think one of the interesting things about it though is that um the prose board has to kind of relinquish control over how it's kind of typeset which is mm. interesting too so um when I was recently doing an anthology of prose poetry, we found it difficult because all journals and books were set differently. And so people who had what we were talking about before, the ragged right margin, the decision was, well, if we use the original publication of that ragged right margin, it might actually look like it was lineated yeah. and the person's making these choices about where to end. Yeah. Because the prose poem, whether it has a ragged right or a justified right, should run wherever the margin is. It yeah. should run to it and keep going. It shouldn't sort of stop at the margin. I think that's a really big thing because, you know, poets who write traditional lineated poetry are thinking really carefully about where to end the line, whereas mm. prose poets are like, yeah. I don't care where the line ends. I, I care about my sentences and the order they're in and where it begins and ends, but I don't care where how it looks. And I've had prose poems published in a range of different things, and they'll, um, you know, the last line in particular might have three words, or it might end up being six words depending on the margin of the publication. So it actually looks different and you've got to realise that then prose poetry is about something more than yeah. where the margin begins and ends. It's it's kind of giving yourself up to the publisher or the you know design 
specialist, and there's something kind of exciting about that. I mean, I'm, I'm just putting in my own headspace. I feel that when I think of poetry, yeah. It, for me, if you go to a piece of paper mm-hmm. um, and you start, you know that you're going to run out of edge. Yeah, you know, you yeah, you, you are. Yeah, you go. You say so you draw to a point, so you yeah. can, or a canvas, and this, I suppose, this gets to scale. So if you're, a, say, you're a painter or team yeah. painting, and you've got a little canvas, and you you decide you're going to do this just a, a yeah. you know a painting, doesn't matter what, and you start painting, and you've got to keep it within the edges of that yeah. confined space to make it work. Now, what happens when you're given um, more freedom than that, and you say, "Well, I'll just add another canvas, another one of triptych." So this is getting <laughs> yeah, to the grand going. scale. Yeah. This is sort of getting towards bigger forms. Yeah. So if you then, if you're like, if you think of Picasso, like some of the biggest painting he did was Guernica, which yeah. was done for an expo, so he knew he had a big space. And prior to that, it was probably like the Demoiselle d'Avignon, you know, which today's stand is not that big a not painting. Big. You know, yeah. so it's, it's a it, you could find one that size in a house. But as we move into modernism with the polyps and yeah. stuff, they just yeah, got yeah. in Keith where you have Huge. works yeah. that weigh half a ton and lead. <laughs> yeah. You're sort of building gallery art, so it becomes sort of yeah. institutionalised to a certain behaviour. So it's not at arm's reach to the viewer. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. So what you're so what you're sort of going back like a like the prose poem is very relatable to people who read short forms on social media, yeah, short forms of writing like on Twitter and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And it still has all the qualities you might look for in very, very smart writing. Yeah, like, you know, that, that actually is yeah. genuinely intellectual, not being pompous about it and saying it's got it, it's got things that you can resonate with and, yeah. and can evoke feelings. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, I'm going to bring my mood to the work. You're just coming to it and it's going to change your mood, you'd hope. Or yeah, your you thoughts. hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas... The novel's a different commitment, just like the Sistine Chapel's <laughs> yeah, a different is. commitment. You know, if you go into the Sistine Chapel, which I've never done and probably never would, but you say, well, now I'm here, I'm going to, it's like an Italian meal. You know, if you get, if you get, <laughs> if, you, yeah, yeah, but if you get a lasagna, it's lasagna all the way to the bottom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's so, right. There's so, no, yeah, like, yeah, there's, know, it's, it's not like a, a pizza it's, snuck in yeah, between yeah, yeah, somewhere. It's, it's not like a, a sushi platter yeah, or a bento yeah, yeah. box, you know. So you can have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and there's something about the small form that you can dip in and out of. Yeah. You know? Whereas you go, well, I'm committed now to this film to the end, you know. And there are, whereas that shorter form seems to suggest you can duck in and out and move around. You can, more. yeah, because I think it should be a little, a little sight of something, mm. and then you move on mm. to something else. But if you were to write a novel, yeah, imagine you were, you know, and now you've got to say, well, how do I, you know, you there's a there's a sort of a, 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 an arc. There's some structure you have to follow, which means that you have to. I've never understood it. There's too many things to juggle. It's like, yeah. like, like you think, well. What if I do want to go and what if I do want an alien to knock on the window? Well, <laughs> yeah. How does that fit into how's this it, fiction? Well, how will that relate to what's yeah. come before and how old that person is and where they are and what's going on? Yeah. Like I was talking to Des Cowell and he said that I think they've got the original manuscript of um, um, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Oh, I love Picnic at Hanging yeah, Rock. Yeah, but the last chapter was edited out. Yeah, well, yeah, because the last chapter is terrible. It's a space <laughs> alien's come and taken away. Yeah. And it sounds exactly like you saying, like, uh, imagine that. Like, imagine that if someone said, let's let's finish the last scene of this, and they could do it with computer generated stuff. Yeah. And we get all those girls, those faces, in their and, dresses. Gener- and this UFO just comes down. <laughs> Sucks them up. <laughs> 
and you'd sort of think, wow, that's just too. I wasn't weird. expecting that. Yeah, I yeah. haven't. I've gone through all of this book, and yeah. now, and that's how I felt. So I was one of the people that, when they published the last chapter, is the secret of hanging rock. I was so excited because I loved it, and I hadn't realized. You know, I I was at school, and I thought of it as a mystery that you know mm. it was sort of pitched as something that had happened rather than it being sort of fictional. When the last chapter came out, I was just gutted. You know, it was sort of like this nothing that I've thought about and enjoyed in this book has prepared me for the craziness of this last chapter. And I thought, wow, editors are so important because yeah. I don't think if it had appeared without with the last chapter that it would have done yeah, anywhere near. Said, what the hell is yeah, this? they'd be like, what a crazy book that is. You know, <laughs> what was she thinking yeah. on the last chapter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a... It's a it's a, um, I think it's just the, like, having, you know, been, you know, setting and publishing books and that, I find the novel always problematic for me because of, I'm, I'm not saying therefore it's, it's I'm not, I'm, it's not a criticism, no, no, it's, it's just, a, it's my critique of it is that as a, as a thing to step into, you can see why people can get stuck on them for years. You know, yeah, like yeah. you can see why people can write something and abandon it. Like it's sort of, yeah. It's like a massive. It's like, it's like, it's you're so committed to it, and you're like, it's like playing, like some sort of long distance chess game. You know, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it's not something you can just sort of. Um, whereas, anyway, going back again, but that. It's like the, the short from the sketch. It's like watercolour really lends itself to doing pictures of sparrows and then going off and doing the land. So you can duck yeah. in and out. Yeah. It's sort of setting up some big scene, you know, yeah. or, or doing an architectural building. You know, you know, it's not. It's like if you're going to do a little shed or a chicken coop or something. You know, architecturally, you know, be inventive. Yeah. You, you, you yeah, yeah. Something big. Well, what's there's a. I think it logistically becomes complicated and. The, doesn't mean it can't be beautiful. It doesn't mean it can't be. It can be all those things. Yeah. But um, I think it also has all the logistics of um, maybe never being done at all. Yeah. Some of the probably the best buildings ever designed have never been built. You know, they yeah. can be built. All the plans are there. Yeah. But um, various reasons stop it. And I imagine there's lots of people who have novels around in their heads. Oh yeah. The number actually when they find out you work at university and teach creative writing, people are like I've got this novel, and you're like, oh no. And it's always in the bottom drawer, you know, they always tell you where it is and how long it's been there yeah. and then it's like, can I get it out and will you read it for me? <laughs> the best one is having been work, you know, probably a person came to one and said, oh, I've got this great idea for a book. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay. And they said, I've got the title and I've got the cover. And I said, okay, so um, can you send me, I haven't started writing it. <laughs> <laughs> it was just wow. had a very clear idea of a cover wow. and a title, you know. Hey, anyway, so probably should hear one of your poems. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I thought I'd read the first one because it was funny how you Because you have to about... think about it. You don't have to edit it. You just go to the start. That's Bang. it. That's <laughs> it. I'm not going to have to leaf through and, and find one. No, but it also connects with Japan because mm. I wrote, and you were talking about um, translation, and yeah. there's a different, I think, kind of poetry that often comes out of different places. Like I was looking at the prose poem in the UK and the prose poem in America and looking at some of the similarities and differences and there are kind of interesting um, differences just for example like the US kind of prose poets especially women are sort of trying to break out of the box so they'll have a couple of random lines here and there to sort of play with it um, the UK is still a little bit more traditional and keeps to the box but does really exciting sort of things within mm. it but um, the Japanese have such a great sense of humour and a different kind of sense of humour somehow Definitely. like sometimes you know yeah, <laughs> you can watch Japanese television and be like 
they're laughing hysterically and we don't get it. You yeah. know, we're left out of the joke, which I quite quite like. And I mean, Lost in Translation is one of my favorite yeah. movies, and I love that yeah. scene with Bill Murray where he responds like, you know, I would respond like, oh, this sounds like fun, and but I just can't quite yeah. get what's going on. Anyway, I went to um, Japan to read some poetry, and we were lucky to have some amazing Japanese poets translate our work. That's cool. And I was worried because I was, you know, I wanted it to be well received. And I'm, as I said, before, I'm the kind of person that. Um, in translation I'm like you go with it like I don't other people will be asking about word for word what's the translation if mm. it fits what their vision is I'm like no you you know you make of it what you will you know you read it and then you create mm. it as your own in a way and co-create it for a different audience anyway so I wrote um, a piece called Carrying a Watermelon because I thought it would be kind of funny and it might appeal to you know people's sense of humor and I knew that the translators were such wonderful Japanese poets that they could you know give it the twist that it needed so it was always well received. They're big fans of watermelon aren't they like fruits for dessert. Free oh I know I'm like a shopping channel and they get the watermelon and they go oh watermelon you know it's so and they pick up a really juicy bit and I mean I want to buy it by the end of the shopping channel. They have a special term I mean we just got the texture but with food the texture is a big part of their thinking with food not just we think taste and smell and we look at food with our eyes yeah. We eat with our eyes, but they really do think about texture in a very Oh, and, way, and like we, we think we eat with our eyes, but the presentation in Japan oh, yeah, is else. like nuts. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And yeah. that's, I remember the first time I went, you know, and they had um, beautiful, like amazing looking strawberries, but they were in a velvet case, you know, and they were something crazy like $300. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, come and look at my strawberries, you know, and they were beautiful, but you were just like, gee, they're like a couple of bucks a punnet, you know, <laughs> yeah. at Woolworths. Of course, nothing like the way they've been polished and bred and all of that kind of stuff, yeah. but it was just so different. And that's, you know, that's when I was really young. Anyway, so yeah, I thought I'd go with watermelons and something a little bit kind of weird and funny. So it's called Carrying a Watermelon. After 85 days, I gave birth to a watermelon. It wasn't easy. A full-term Jubilee watermelon is 40 pounds, and this one was delivered breech. When my water broke, it pulled on the floorboards beneath my bare feet. You didn't realize it would travel under the wood and warp the grain. You'd only find that out the following day when you brought the watermelon home. You could feel the edges of the board curving under your toes. By the time you got me to the hospital, I was dilated 10 centimeters and the nurse said it was too late for an epidural. But the melon's rind was slick and helped me squeeze it down the birth canal. When I finally pushed it out, I held it in my arms, stroking the skin. It's perfect, you said, sniffing its head. Smells so sweet. I can never understand why I don't have children, which is kind of funny why I like yeah, write the poem, right? Yeah. But a sniffing baby's heads, right? For yeah. someone like me, that's just weird. Like yeah. you're a baby head sniffer is yeah, kind well, of I, odd. I, 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 what, having a child, I'd yeah. sniff my if you sniffed all of Olivia's head, yeah. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, like when, as, it often has a baby powder smell, and it's just a cleanness to a you know, child and. I don't know, I think it's, I think it's very primal, there's something, there's something, there's something, you know. I often hear yeah, it's baby yeah, powder smell, yeah. that's the thing, when I'm like, what, you know, I've sniffed a baby's head, I, you know, it doesn't smell bad, but I yeah. wouldn't, it wouldn't be like my top list of scents, you know, yeah, for, yeah. but people say it's got it's the it's yeah. memory stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit odd when you're a parent, <laughs> things change. It's acceptable to sniff yeah. baby's head when you're a parent. Sorry, Sorry that's my uh, segue. Um, it takes a while to stitch me up, so I stay in the hospital while you take the watermelon home. You ring me from the kitchen, swollen boards under your feet, the long bladed knife in your hand. Next time, let's try for a cantaloupe, you say. 
Um, so I guess that also comes out of, you know, when you're a kid. <laughs> you want to give birth to a cancer? Yeah, well, it's smaller. Right. Yeah, pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be spiky. That would be way too hard. Pretty uncomfortable. Well, I think, like, as a, as a young woman, you know, hearing terrible stories about birth, you know, splitting you open and there's mm. just going to be one big hole and all like it haunts you it haunts you as a as a woman to yeah it's, it's sort of a hidden thing that people don't talk about but when women get together you know they often especially if there's one that's just become pregnant they like to i think terrify them with stories of childbirth but i don't know whether it ever lost me that idea of um someone said oh you know it's like pushing out a watermelon which is sort of where it came from yeah 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 it's um well when you're were you in the room when Olivia was born? Yeah, 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 I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was, it's, um, it did was you... all very, it was, it was everything, but it was everything that, like, it was the opposite of what <laughs> I was told, you know, like, okay. yeah, it was, it was, um, Shrim didn't scream or anything, you know. Just, yeah, but she's amazing. Yeah, um, and it was, yeah, it was quite comfortable for me. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But what it was, it was just this, um, fairly... Strangely, you're fairly ordinary. It was like just being just an ordinary. An ordinary thing. sort of extraordinary. It's extraordinary to give, you know, the birth yeah. to this thing you've created, but it, but you kind of hope, I guess, the birth is ordinary. Yeah, it all went that well. So, went, that, so, yeah, so yeah, so that, that's I mean, you don't want any surprises. Yeah, no, know, no, you know, no, no, in no. any form. So there you yeah, go. That's yeah, the yeah, thing that yeah. you know you don't want to yeah. um, yeah, be just, halfway through and yeah, get a surprise. It's, 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 it's like it's like, order, like ordering a coffee. You want to get what you ordered. For, you know, you, you say, I want a flat white. And you think, oh, we got, we didn't get you that. We got you a milkshake instead. Like you think, what? Like, so you, 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 you want the child to be healthy. You want it yeah. to be, you don't care about the gender. No. I mean, you beforehand, but you just, you, unlike reading a poem, you know, you don't, those surprises can come later. Yeah, Your child yeah. forms and, you know, and, just and they, the they take level. interest in things. You go, oh, that's funny and that, but initially, there's no identity. You just want it to have all its limbs intact and all those, all the yeah, obvious yeah. stuff. No one, yeah, you know, yeah. just be healthy. Just, just be yeah. healthy. Or do you want another coffee? No, no, I'll be too milky. I'm going to get another coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. That's all right. <laughs>